0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: There's a story out there that maybe the Patriots were
2: filming some of your practices prior to the Super Bowl. Do you believe that? Let's just say this. We ran a couple of plays that we hadn't ran that year. They called it out. It's not whether I believe it. It's just what's out there.
1: Game time with Boomer Esiason. This week's guest is college and pro football Hall of Fame running back
0: Marshall Falk. (music) Presented by GoDaddy.
1: You know, as a kid hoping to escape the projects in New Orleans, today's guest had the impossible dream of becoming a star like Walter Payton and his other football idols. Amazingly, he did it with a combined college and professional career that is really second to none. Upon becoming a first ballot selection for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, he declared it was the fulfillment of his life's dream. It's my pleasure to welcome one of the greatest running backs of all time, a buddy, Marshall Falk. Marshall, great to see you, man.
2: Thanks for having me, Bill.
1: It's great to be here. And uh, so let me ask you, let's start with you in high school. You you grew up in uh, the Ninth Ward mm-hmm. of New Orleans, and we all know about the Ninth Ward after Katrina and everything else. But not really a safe place to grow up, I would imagine. And not at somehow all. you made it out of there. Uh, what what were the
2: reasons uh, for you getting to where you are today when you think about where you grew up? You need great people around you. My high school football coach Wayne Reese, the things that he instilled, the things that he made uh, important, it really kind of paved the way for me to, to become not just the athlete, but the student athlete that I was. Is it a true story that he saw you getting into
1: a van that you probably yes. shouldn't have gotten yep. into and he stopped the van and got you out of the car? Yep,
2: yep. got me out of the car. Literally, I had to then clean the boiler room, clean the gym. Uh, It was like two months of that every day. It was just, you know, things like that. You you don't really think about it. I was about to go joyriding. I was about to go have fun. Yeah. Uh, And he just helped me make a a, a good decision. I was upset. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sure you were. But I didn't understand at the time what that decision meant for me. Anytime I'm asked about coaches and what, what what coach had the biggest influ- influence on you. I always talk about my high school football coach because at that point in time, I had no idea. He was the one who instilled in me, hey, you know you can go to college. You can get a scholarship to play football, go to college and get a college education and change the narrative for you and your family. You
1: know, coming out of the ninth court, I'm wondering why doesn't you know Marshall Falk end up at an SEC school and right. become the next great running back at LSU or Alabama? But maybe you were too small. Maybe they wanted you for another position.
2: Well, they wanted me to play cornerback. Uh, come but, on. And, and you know what? Here's the thing, and, and, and this is how I always explain it. Um, things have changed in today's whole recruiting process. When I came out uh, on offense, I played quarterback, running back, split in, flanker, mm-hmm. tight end. On defense, I only played corner. I kicked I run it. I held, <laughs> so I you know I, I did everything. But on defense, they got a chance to see me. I followed around the best receiver, yep. cover corner. That's what I did. So it was easy for them to see me in that light. How did you find San Diego State? So there's a guy, and um, you've you've heard his name, uh, Curtis Johnson. Yeah, he's the receivers coach down at the New Orleans Saints. Mm-hmm. He was at the University of Miami. He was the head coach at Tulane University. So he's been around, and um, he was actually. At a game that I was the cover corner playing against our high school rival, a guy named Ray Peterson, who also went to San Diego State Mm -hmm. with me, I was covering him. So he came to see another guy, and he saw me. (laughs) You were the mistake. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) and he he, he saw me. And uh, he watched me play and and took the tape back to Coach Luganbill, and he said, Al, listen, this kid is a game changer. And, and, they, and that was, that was the did relationship. He, did he see you as a running back, though? I he mean, saw me as an athlete, an in athlete. a sense. And he saw me play different positions. And he said to me, I, I remember when we were talking, um, he said, I just know when you have the football, it's awesome, <laughs> whether you catch an interception, <laughs> whether you return in a kick. And, and that's, that's how I felt about when I played the game. And so I took a trip to San Diego. Now coming from the night ward in in New Orleans, you get off a plane, you're like, I'm landing. I'm like, oh my god, this is paradise. I, I want to live here. Yes, I want to live here. That's all I knew. I wanted to live there. And you decided that was your place. That was it. And when you got there, where were you on the depth chart? As oh a freshman? my god, I was. I was. They, they they literally gave me a scholarship. I was. I was. There was a senior. There were two seniors, two juniors. And there were three other freshmen that came in with me that were playing running back. Yeah, yeah. You had that many running yes, backs. That, yeah, in a one back mm. system. Wow. <laughs> so
1: where were you on the depth chart? I was last. Believe it or not, Marshall Falk was told by many powerhouse college coaches that he was too small to be their running back. No, I'm not saying that. That's what they're saying. So it was very gratifying, I'm sure, when his first major opportunity to play at San Diego State, the skinny little freshman ran for an NCAA record, 386 yards and seven touchdowns. And I I know the story about the game, about how the second string running back lost his helmet, and you just basically ran onto the field. Isn't that the way it works? Pretty much. So the first guy gets hurt, Uh right? The second guy can't find his helmet. And then you go out on the field, and the next thing you know, you were spectacular. That was it. It was almost like, I don't think people realize this, that when you are competing for something, and it finally happens for you,
2: were you just like aware of what was going on and that this was your moment? I was literally just... Just playing football, I, I, I'm telling you, boom! I, w- I was having fun, and the the thing for me was, so because I had always I was I was talented, and I had played so many different positions to just only play running back, mm. I was like, this really <laughs> like. Y'all don't want me. I don't have to do anything else. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not playing in high school anymore. Now right. you're
1: at a major university. Yes, yes, yes.
2: But I mean, I had never, I'd never only played one position. But what was it like after that for you? Because you didn't, you didn't start the next game, did you? No, no, I, I didn't start the next game. Um, I didn't start like the next maybe two or three games. I was just heavy in the rotation, and and I kind of felt, I, I I seriously felt bad for the guy. Uh, his name was T.C. Wright. And, uh, and T.C. was a, you know, he was a, we were in the Western Athletic Conference, mm-hmm. the WAC. He was a WAC conference player, you know, of the year, coming back for a senior year. and, and They we told him to come back for yeah, a senior year, Coach right? Luganville asked him to come back. He, he probably could have went and, and got drafted. Mm-hmm. Now, he was a JUCO All-American transfer, had a great junior year, and just came back. And I, I felt bad for him because he taught me a lot about playing the game and, 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 and how to do certain things within the offense. And, and, and at the time, we started, we were splitting carries. So he'd have 18, 19, 20 carries for, like, 70 yards, and I'd have, like, 10 carries for, like, 150.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, they can get a coach fired if you play the wrong people.
0: You know just, that, don't you? It,
2: but it was just, uh, it, yes. And Coach Luganville, had, it, it was a tough decision because usually when you're in that situation, you just put the kid in that's, 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 that's hot. Like, okay, this kid gives us a better chance to win. Seeing those numbers
1: and reflecting <laughs> back on that game, I mean, you've had a lot of great games in your life,
2: yeah. but that had to be like the greatest game of all time. It was, it, it's confirmation, you know, and, and that's all we ever want to know is that we can do it. Did you ever doubt yourself at it, all? It's not, it wasn't really a doubt. Like, I knew I could play football. I knew I could play, on a, on, on, I, I could play college football. It, it wasn't a question. It was how good am I going to be. Like how how good? Am, am am I just going to be good? Am I going to be great? Am I gonna separate myself from everybody that's ever played? And that's what I didn't know. You you don't know those things.
1: Marshall Falk, the Hall of Famer, the first ballot Hall of Famer, by the way, and congratulations for that. You know, we were talking about being an athlete uh, as a running back. And I always thought of you when I covered you as like this hybrid guy, that you were a great running back for sure, like Walter Payton. But you were more than just that hard-charging running back. You had the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield, which obviously, being a part of the greatest show on turf, was utilized very heavily.
2: It was, and uh, it started for me. I, I caught the ball some in college, and, and they'd split me out, and I'd run nine routes, and you know I could catch the ball over my shoulder. I could locate the ball in mid-flight, things that, that people at times struggled with that didn't play wide receiver. When I got to, to Indianapolis with Ted Marchabrota, and, and Ted sat me down, and he showed me all of Thurman Thomas' I'm stuff. sure, yeah. Getting a little he, bit older, he, that's he why. Yes. He would literally call me Thurman, yeah. and he would say, this, this is how we are going to use you. We pretty much ran Buffalo's offense. Oh, the whole K-gun. Everything. There. Right, yeah. Everything. We ran it all. And, and I knew from then I had to go from what running backs did to working out more with, with what receivers did and how I wanted to condition myself to play whole games. To stay in the game, you know, receivers take a break when there's a run and play. <laughs> right, and running back, the and play. Running backs take a break when the passing play. I was involved in it all.
1: You actually played with a rookie by the name of Peyton Manning. I did. What's your recollections of the first time that you met Peyton Manning and you saw him operate as a
2: rookie in the NFL? Just uh, how smart, just intelligence. Uh, he came into our first mm-hmm. mini camp, calling the plays without the coach giving him the play. Really. Wow, that's pretty That's saying something. So they they gave him the playbook early and he came in with an understanding of what we were trying to do. And uh, I I remember just that whole that whole first year with him. He threw 27 interceptions, I believe, that year. Every interception right. that he threw, I was in mm-hmm. when we would walk to the sideline afterwards it was about maybe the 15th interception, he'd say, I just didn't think he could get there. You know, was just like, I just yeah, didn't think he, he could get there. You had a lot to there. learn, right? At about 15, I looked at him, I said, they all can get here on this level. <laughs> Did you ever get frustrated playing with him? No, it was fun. It was fun because I understood, you know, I, I understood what being young, uh, being a top pick and having all that pressure to come in to be the savior. I knew what that was like. I wanted to be there for him. Was there ever a moment where you said that he's not going to be that good, or did you always see nah, greatness for him? It, it was never a question because, because the things that, let's say something happened in a game and you ran something or you did something, you better not. If, if you did it again, he got you. He always right. learned from the mistake. And you know as a quarterback, you, you have to file that stuff because you're going to see it again should be a quarterback, Coach.
1: All right, welcome back, everyone, as we continue with 1999 Super Bowl champion Marshall Falk, who was also a three-time NFL Offensive Player of the Year and the 2000 League MVP as a key component to the St. Louis Rams' vaunted greatest show on turf. And I covered a lot of those games. They were a <laughs> lot of fun, man. Mike Martz was unpredictable. Dick Vermeil was crying all over the
2: place. Uh, how did you feel when you first found out you were being traded to the Rams? Oh, uh, I was sad. You know, I play one year with Peyton. I kind of see where we're going. Yep. Uh, I'm, I'm in year five. I got about maybe four, maybe maybe five good years left in me. Were we going to win the championship by that time? It just didn't look like it in Indianapolis. So I I felt like it was time for me to move on to get a fresh start. Not to mention uh, Bill Bill Polian that came in and you know changed some things up. And and I and I wanted to leave. And I I kind of I said. These are two things that I want, all right? I want to play on grass. No, which they didn't do, <laughs> of course. And I want to play on the winning team. Yeah, and the Rams were on a winning team at that moment,
1: which is amazing. Yeah. And when you think about your addition to that team, when did you realize, or when did you guys realize in St. Louis that you were going to be that good? What, what, what,
2: what was the, the spark that, that gave you the idea that you could be great? I, I, in minicamp. Actually, really? it, was, it happened in minicamp, uh, I'm, and I'm so glad. I, 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 thank, I thank my agent every time hmm. because hmm. my agent talked me into going to minicamp practice. I just got traded. I was like, I don't want to go there. He said, do me a favor. Go to minicamp. And I went, and I remember meeting Torrey Holt, Isaac Bruce, Trent Green, Roland Williams, Orlando Pace, Grant Winstrom. Uh, I'm, I'm talking, like, top pick guys. And we sat around, and it was just like, well, like why, why can't we be a good team? And I'm listening to these guys. Now, we scrimmaged against them the year before, the Colts and the Rams. Right. We met because Dick Vermeil and Jim Moore are good friends. I think they were at UCLA together. And I remember I was like, man, these, you know, they, they're, they're pretty good. But for whatever reason, it just didn't happen for them. Yeah. Did you feel like they were trying to convince you to stay there and want to stay there? The only person that was convincing me was Mike Martz because he was the offensive coordinator, and he was like, Marshall, here is how I'm going to use you. He showed me some stuff about the offense. He said, these are the things that I'm going to need you to do. It was just aggressive. Yeah. (laughs) It was very aggressive. He showed me the playbook. It was aggressive.
1: It it was, and it was amazing. It was uh, was revolutionary, really, what it was. And it was speed on the outside. It was accurate quarterbacks. And lo and behold, who knew Kurt Warner was going to become Kurt Warner? He really did. And he had the quick release. And unfortunately for Trent Green, you know, he had to get hurt in preseason, which was really just debilitating for him. But at the end of the day, when you look at the track meets that you guys got yourself into, it was almost impossible for teams to stop you of all those great athletes. So, uh, again, it's the story of the athlete joining other athletes and becoming part of maybe one of the greatest offenses the NFL has ever seen. But I want to get right into the big moments of your life, and, of course, the Hall of Fame is one of them. But before that, Super Bowl thirty-four. Yeah. Uh, so I did the broadcast of that game, and, and there you go. Uh, and I'm telling you, it comes this close to the end, <laughs> and there's the big tackle by oh, Mike Jones. Man. I mean, were you guys worried that Steve McNair was going to pull that thing out?
2: Yes, I, I was, but... I, I was more worried because, because Jeff Fisher was a gambler and not getting a chance, would he go for two? Because mm. they could, you know, it, it was tie or go for two. Right. I, I wasn't sure what he was going to do. And, and I couldn't imagine if they went for two not having a chance to, like, win the game. Mm. Now, that's, you know, when you, when you play offense, that's, you want to be out there sure to win the game. Yeah. You don't want your defense out there, you know, when it's when a game-winning play. And I, that's, I was I was sitting at the far like thirty, on my on my hands and knees like 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 <laughs> like oh my god just looking at the play when Mike Jones made the tackle on uh, Kevin, Dyson, Kevin Dyson I, yeah. I just I. And for, for me, for me, boom! I won championships in basketball. I won in baseball. I've been the best at track. I'd never won a championship in football.
1: And you came from the ninth ward out of New Orleans, yeah. and here you are, the biggest stage—the <laughs> big where th- the Super Bowl is. It was an amazing story. And then, you know, even like two years later, you're heavy favorites against the Patriots. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's a story out there that there's the thought that maybe the Patriots were, you know, filming some of
2: your practices, uh, you yeah. know, prior to the Super Bowl and all mm-hmm, that other mm-hmm. stuff. Do you believe that? Um... It's not whether I believe it, it's just what's out there. Right. And you hear what's out there. I mean, let, let, let's just say this. Um, the information made its way to the commissioner, and then the commissioner said he watched it, and that's it. And they destroyed the tapes. That was that. Done. But they destroyed the tapes. Right. Here, so. here's, here's the reality of it. I mean, and, I mean, we've been around the NFL long enough. Let's let's just say, oh yeah, we found out that they did. What are you going to do? Just put put an X there. They're not going to give us the ring, right? They're of not, course So it's not about you know it's it's not about wanting to win. It's just so what happened? That's half the time you just want to know what happened. Now did we lose? Yeah, we lost the game. There were some things that happened in that game, but we drew up some. We we ran a couple of plays that were you know that that we hadn't ran that year. I mean I I did a motion in that game right. and they identified the motion as if they had we ran a play that I I had only went up to the line of scrimmage and motioned across mm-hmm. to run to to come out of the backfield and run the play I motioned straight across the backfield to keep my depth to make sure because they, they you know that I didn't get grabbed because when we played them in England. They grabbed you. They grabbed me yes. when we played them in New England on a Sunday <laughs> night. So we came up with this motion to keep me away from the, the outside linebacker so I could run this. And they and, and when I mo they called it out.
1: Did they really? They, well? Like
2: they called it out and Willie McGinnis <laughs> waited for me, like tackled me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what does Willie tell you to this day? It was like it was we just checked. Yeah, we just checked. We just okay. Checked,
1: yeah. Well, it's all good. You know, at the at the end of the day, you saw again from the sideline mm-hmm. an opposing offense go down the field, yep. and then ultimately doing what most people thought would never been done, and that would have been taking a quarterback of Tom Brady's inexperience, yep. putting him out on the field late in the game, and allowing him to try to get his team into field goal range. Now, you have both feelings. You had the win in Super Bowl 34, and then you had to watch that ball sail through the uprights in Super Bowl 36. Yeah. How disappointing was
2: that? Oh, it was disappointing. Very. It happened in my hometown. Mm. Um, it, it, was, it was, yeah, it was, it was disappointing. You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, as, as a, as the feeling of winning the last game of the season is, 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 is euphoria. Yeah. Um, the feeling of losing the last game is, is equally you, the same. You and I can commiserate on that one because
1: Super Bowl twenty three. that's how it ended for yeah, us too with the great a, Jerry Rice. But you see this picture over here? Yeah. That is a crowning achievement. Yeah, it is, man. And what uh, was that day like for you?
2: Um, you? You can't dream that. You dream of winning Super Bowls. I'm getting chills right now. Yeah. You dream of winning Super Bowls. You dream of scoring touchdowns. You, you, you dream of being in the NFL. Um, But, you know, when you're a kid who grew up in New Orleans and the only way you can get into uh, the Superdome is by selling popcorn to to, and then you watch the games Mm -hmm. to have this opportunity. And to sit in that room with the guys whom are the pillars of the NFL, um, it's there's just no words for the gratitude that I have to to just to just have that honor. You well, know, it, it means the world to me. Well deserved, and I appreciate you coming on
1: Game Time. It's awesome to see you, Marshall. All right, our thanks to Marshall Fogg for joining us today, and to all of you for watching. I'm Boomer Science, and I'll see you again right here on Game Time with NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell. Perfect. Good job. Marshall, man. Good job. Your story is amazing. It really, you know, it's it's really it's a it's a story for every young kid in America. You can make it. You can. You can.